Yeah, I feel like a lot of people probably expected me to be a bit more down in the dumps, um, a bit depressed, a bit unmotivated, dissatisfied, but I'm grateful for the position I'm in. Like My stake in boxing is very high, probably even higher now after that fight. Um, obviously, I'm a serious competitor. I have a high expectation of myself and I don't think I was able to give the, the most accurate representation of how good I am. Um, no one's real fault. I feel a bit hard done by on my side that my eye went so early and like I said, it wasn't like a big punch. It wasn't like I got walked onto something, etc. I just got caught with a jab at mid-range and then fractured my eye. Um, but what a lot of people don't realise about me and my mindset is I've grown up watching boxing and I've seen the flyweight careers. My brother had, you know, his debut on Sky with Matchroom, um, had the most biggest promotional push. And even then, pretty much it was always eight o'clock on a big show or, or something. And, and, and he did great with his career so far. Um, but to have that moment where it, it felt like the world of boxing stopped to wait for the result of the fight, like that's like a sort of dream come true. I never really expected to be able to achieve that maybe even throughout my whole career um, in a fight as a flyweight. Maybe I always thought I'd have to go up weights and weights and weights to, to get that. So to be a big part of sort of bringing the eyes the way we did to that fight and the event and people genuinely caring, the fight was sold quite well, it was promoted very well. Um, yeah, but like my body experiences and my mind experiences a lot of gratitude. Um, I live a good life. Look, a week later from headlining a, a fight in America, um, okay, yeah, I didn't win, but headlining a, a, a unification fight in America to a week later being here to support my best friend in another unification fight in Riyadh, it's, life's good, I can't really complain and I know I'll be back, I know, um, I think I proved to myself, even in that ring against Bam, who is a fantastic fighter, who I knew before was a fantastic fighter and um, I don't know, in my head, if my, I didn't go, I had the beating of him, um, it just drastically changed the way I was able to fight but that's fighting that, that happens and you play the cards you're dealt so you know I'm not I'm not a bitter loser I've always been a gracious winner of no matter how what's been said before um, once you get in the ring and you have a fight there's respect there I respect fighting I respect boxing I respect fighters um, so yeah well done to the champion and, and I'll be back and if and when that fight gets offered to me in the future just like the first time, I won't hesitate in taking it. Um, he's the biggest name out there probably, and it was one of the best fights of the year, so I've been told. Um, watching it back, it was probably one of the most... It's weird. I can't usually watch my fights back too much. I watch them here and now, I watch them straight after to see how the performance went, and then I, I don't usually watch too much because, you know, 36 minutes of bouncing around the back of the ring and just sort of hitting jabs and single lead hooks and picking off some points. Like it's, it's, it's not an easy watch, but I feel like that fight, even though it went the way it did, it was an easy watch, you know what I mean? It was, what, 27 minutes of back and forth action. Literally, he threw, I threw, I threw, he threw, he threw, I threw. It was two elite fighters going at it. Um, yeah, like I said, felt a bit hard done by internally with how my eye went, with not like a knockout shot or I weren't, you know, getting pasted for rounds. It was literally 
a jab 30 seconds into a round where I won the first rounds on the scorecard. So it just kind of derailed it a little bit. And normally boxing in my head, even if it's really, really hard, is very quiet, it's very uh, soothing, it's very relaxed. I'm in control of what's going on. It's like I'm driving 20 miles an hour. When my eye went, it was like I was driving 100 miles an hour. Everything was disorientated. I had blurred vision. I could see two of them. So I made the decision in my head that I will not be able to outbox him at this point because of my vision. I couldn't see when he was in range. Like I said, I was seeing double of him. It was trying to come back in and going back out into two. Um, that's why I was missing some wild shots where I never really have before to the point that the crowd was laughing and my opponent was laughing and even I was half laughing because I knew what had happened. I was, <laughs> I was throwing at the wrong one. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to get back in there and being a part of hard competitive fights at the highest level of boxing has been my mission since I set out here. It's, I've always said win, lose or draw, real fights only. The reason why I can take all of these fights is because I don't fear losing. I don't believe losing a fight tears apart my identity, which I think a lot of ha fighters, it happens to them and you can see they're never the same after losing. I know every time I lost in the amateurs, I came back twice as good afterwards, like straight away I came back and doubled down. So maybe I needed it a little bit uh, in, in some senses, but yeah, not devastated like a lot of people think I would be. And you know, my promoters right behind me just sat down with Frank Smith then, um, spoke to Eddie after the fight and, and, and since the fight, um, they believe my stock has risen greatly. They believe my my price, my everything has gone up. So um, I know at these weights, I was probably already one of the biggest names, even more so now. Um, I feel like I'll keep getting the opportunities to prove my greatness. And I know how good I am. I'm a very, very, very good fighter. It might not have completely looked like that on Saturday night, but um, I know how good I am. In terms of being on that big stage, even going back to the press tour we did in Orlando, I imagine, like you said, that was all a dream for you. That's what you dreamed of. But has it also reiterated that that's the level you want to stay at now? You don't want to come back in a in a so-called easy fight. You just want, literally, just want the big fights to experience that all over again. Yeah, and like I say it, and people don't think I mean it. Like I've had some people trying to accuse me of cashing in now. Like, no, 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 no. Like I am the cash in the division. That's what people don't get. Like I will make a good living and a good standard because I bring eyes that no one else can bring to the to the weight division. Really. Um, but a record of 40 and 50 and 0 against all easy hand-picked right time in fights like that doesn't really do anything for me like win lose or draw my next fight over and over again will be whoever the promoter wants me to be in the ring with because whoever the promoter wants you in the ring with is usually who the fans want you in the ring with is usually who you should be in the ring with for the biggest event so that's the only thing i care about. i'm an entertainer i'm a i'm a prize fighter um and I just want to be a part of events that people care about and that will be by fighting fighters that people care about or think they can beat me etc so whether my record ends up at 40 and 1 now or 25 7 and 3 like I will just be chasing big fights like I don't I won't be going oh, okay I lost that one let me go get a couple of easy ones to make my record make me feel a bit more special like I don't care about any of that I promised myself a long time ago and I think I kind of got uh indoctrinated this way because of the opinions on me to never let anyone's outside opinion whether it's good or negative have any sort of real change about who I am as a person so 
the fact that people think I've got more heart now or or more exciting or I'm not good because I lost etc like none of that really does anything for me like it's nice that people are talking it's nice that people care have an opinion um, because that brings more eyes it brings more attention to the fights more opportunities for myself and the division as well um, which is that I've always been big for the reason why I've been involved in back and forths from three, four and oh against people like Paddy Barnes and then all the way in between um, all the fighters in between is because no matter who it was, I was always trying to make the division more attractive, more desirable to get to points like this. And, and, and it's kind of worked. I've, I think I've always done more than what I've got to now probably be getting more than what I'm doing, if that makes sense. Um, and I'll continue to do so. I feel like, like I said, I walked in as a professional boxer. I remember saying to Eddie Hearn, I said it in an interview after, that I wanted to box at light flyweight when I was sat in his office just about to turn pro. And, I, and he said, light flyweight, what, you're going to fight for a world title for 1,500 quid, is what Eddie Hearn said to me. And it might be that I fight in my next fight for a world title at light flyweight, and I guarantee it won't be no 1,500 quid, you know what I mean? Um, I know, I know what I've done. I know the, the part I've played in British boxing for flyweights. And with me, it's either I beat the person and keep being this, you know, great fighter or whatever level people consider me as now. Or I get in the ring and I lose and the other person becomes a fighter. Okay, Bam was already a name, but there'll be people after that beating me would make their name. And I don't mind seeing how good I am every single time. Wrenched you every fight just because I won 20 before doesn't mean that one's guaranteed. And look, I lost that one, and just because I lost that one doesn't mean my next one I'm going to lose or win. It's all on to me internally, how I prepare for the fight. Um, and I have no real excuses because I prepared fantastically, I made weight fantastically, my sparring was great. And like I said, if you ask me after the first round, you put a mic in my, uh, uh, my face and ask me, are you going to win this fight? I would have genuinely said it and believed that I do not know how I'm going to lose. But my eye going the <laughs> next round, yeah, okay. I know how I'm gonna lose now, do you know what I mean? So it's just that I don't I don't feel any less of myself. I feel like the only thing that I've kind of really achieved is that I come here with all the biggest fighters and the biggest teams sort of all around the world. And I think every single fighter, every single team that I've seen has come across to speak to me, say they saw the fight and how many times does anyone even care about a flyweight fight? Do you know what I mean? We saw that just in the Rules and Gloves meeting, Dimitri Bivol's team taking photos with you, obviously real recognises real. Um, in terms of facing Bam Rodriguez, you tried to bring it out of him in the build-up, a bit of emotion from him. You finally got that in the final few days. In, in, the, in the ring as well, he, he was sticking his tongue out at you and stuff like that, which is great to see. Both Only after my eye went. It, the, the confidence came a lot more after my eye went. But um, no, it was, like I said, it was a great fight. And, and the whole time, I knew that Bam was a great fighter. Of course, like... I would say that I'm one of the smarter boxers in the world with, my, with how much time I've spent in boxing, maybe my, my intellect outside of the boxing ring. So whatever everyone else saw to rate Bam so highly, I saw it as well and probably saw even more than the, the naked eye of, of how good he is. So, but getting in hard rings is what excites me. Getting in an easy fight, like I won't even want to do camp, like I'm thinking what are we doing here, like, it doesn't matter how much money they're paying me, it doesn't matter, like anything, like it's just different from my mindset, I only care about getting in the ring and having hard fights, which it sounds mad because usually boxers just want everything easy, but I think that's why I'm probably a promoter's dream because like, okay, even though it didn't go right, 
and from seven two two to rounds nine, my eye was fucked and seeing blurry. I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed like getting hit, hitting him back. Like, and it sounds mad. Like, I, I don't, I don't fear that. I know I respect boxing so much that I know what can happen every time I step in, and like, you just got to look at my world title reign. I, I won my world title against someone I hadn't been beaten in 13 years. Big, big punch, a big knockout artist. Had so many impressive wins on his record. I defended it against the mandatory straight away. Um, I picked the highest rated voluntary who had a name and had only lost against the person I won my world title for by like one or two points. Then I fought Alvarado when the Martinez fight fell through. Um, we made that fight in 24 hours. He was a dangerous, dangerous mandatory. Um, fought him straight away, made the fight within hours of the Martinez fight falling through. Um, and then the moment, or well, I had to fight Campos, didn't really get up for that one as much, but the moment the big fight of Bam Rodriguez was offered, it was, yes, from before, like Eddie said before, when I signed with Matchroom, there was a price point that I was going to fight anyone for. It didn't matter who, when or where. I just want the big fights. Like, I, I don't care which one it is. If they're a good fighter, they're a good fighter. That's it. In terms of in the ring, in the corner, the instructions that Grant was giving you, at what point did you let on to him actually how severe the eye injury was? Did he know from round two or was it not so, so they knew um, the physical damage outside. Once I came back to the corner, I tried to blow my nose and my whole face just popped out. Like um, Steve Gray, the, one of the judges, I was speaking to him. And he really saw the first time it happened because he was checking my eye to see what it was and he went. They thought they were going to stop the fight then. And he was like, I don't know how you got through with all those rounds. Because um, I went to that and then my whole eye, my face just like ballooned out as if there was like a direct line from my nose to my eye. Um, but I didn't... When they were telling me to do stuff, I was just listening more than vocalising what was in my head. They were telling me to move my feet, they were telling me to keep the range, but I visibly could not see him the way I needed to. I couldn't see if it was in range or out of range. It was two of them coming back into one and going back into two. Like, there was a lot going on in my eyes, but it weren't until in the eighth round, at the end of the eighth round, so the break, before the ninth, Grant tells me, I can't keep watching this. I'm gonna have to pull the fight. And I was shocked, offended, and like, just a bit confused, like what? Like the fight in my head, okay, I'd lost the last few rounds in my head. Um, but the fight weren't, I didn't think I was getting pasted to be getting stopped. And he said, no, not the punches. You can't see what he's done to your face. And at that point, I'm knowing that for Grant to say that to me, he's very competitive, but he's got my best, uh, uh, he's got his best, my interest in, in his in intentions. So I went out for the ninth. I, saw, I didn't let him stop the fight after the eighth. I went out for the ninth and it was start doing something now or it's not going to happen. I knew I'd lost the last couple. I knew I was probably one or two points down on the scorecards. And then I thought I was winning the night until I got put down. Um, and then when I come back, I told him the truth. I went into his ear. Everyone can see me go into his ear. A lot of people are saying that I quit. Well, I, don't, I don't really care what people's opinions of what happened is. I know I had to go through seven rounds of hell with my eyesight just to still be in the fight. Um, and then when he put me down, um, yeah, it was a heavy shot. I walked onto it. I was just trying to react and fight with everything. That's why the fight was so exciting. So I couldn't box him. So when he was going, I was going. When I was going, he was going. And I was trying to go again. I was just trying to make sure that I could win the fight. I wasn't trying to just be a, oh, yeah, I went the distance. Because like, 
if I just tucked up and moved and let him sort of like he would never have done that he would never have caught me like that but I don't go out like that I, I go out to fight and to win regardless of what happens um, but when I lent in Grant's he really wanted to stop the fight around before after I got put down he was probably going to stop it anyway I just went to the and said Grant I cannot see him you petitioned very hard for the ring magazine belt to be on the line Any I'm glad it wasn't now <laughs> now you've seen obviously everyone knew the one versus two everyone knew how good you are everyone knows how good Bam is for them to then put Bam in the top 10 ratings after the fight and put and belt. also now if me and Bam rematched next the ring magazine would be on because now he's the number one and I'm the number two so does that does it not surprise you because you you know you know boxing you know how good it is you know how good you are but for them to do that is that frustrating that they didn't recognize that before before the fight um, they some of them stuck to their rules even though there was like people inside really sort of petitioning for well, this is clearly the number one versus number two and not only that Dalakayan, I could have fought when AJ fought Uzik in Saudi. They didn't take the fight, they didn't accept the fight, they didn't want to negotiate the fight, but I'd accepted. Martinez, I could have fought in Mexico City on the 22nd of October. I started camp for four or five weeks, and then this was when I wasn't even a matchroom fighter. And then, you know, Frank Smith had to get onto us going, ah, sorry, they're not taking the fight now. After I've just set off camp, I went and joined my team in Albania for a week and trained over there. Like, I'd already invested into what was, I paid sparring partners. I was meant to be going to Mexico City, that 22nd of October show, and then he pulled out. So anyone that's actually followed the storylines know that the number two and the number three have both refused to fight me, like point blank refused. And then thank God Bam did come because then he gave me that unification night that I wouldn't have probably still had now if it wasn't for him. Um, yeah, at the time, obviously a bit frustrated that the ring weren't putting that prize on it, but seeing as I didn't win, I don't really care. <laughs> In terms of what's next for you then, obviously you need to let the eye heal. I don't know if you've been given a time frame on how, how long that will exactly take, but what are the ambitions for you in 2024? Is it moving down in weight? Or obviously we've got Kuriel Nonshinga fighting for the rematch for the IBF um, title. Is that in, on your radar? What's on Sonny Edwards' radar? Yeah, for sure. That, um, that That's an option and a weight I can definitely make. For my Campos fight, I was 49.8 when I checked my weight. Before, like just before I got on the scales, I was 49.8, another like, um, I was a kilo under the flyweight limit, do you know what I mean? So another like 0.4 or something, and I'm, I like flyweight. Um, so yeah, that's definitely an option. Two decent fighters as well, but two that I think I could beat and also get over quite easily. They're all, you know, sort of in-house with, uh, with the zone and they probably won't make more money to fight anywhere else. I could probably get them to the UK, have my Sheffield homecoming that I feel like I deserve um, in a big, big night of boxing. Um, so that's an option. Also, Bam said he's vacating and moving up. So I've been a, a quite a long-standing champion with the IBF, made four defences. Um, so I could look maybe Angel Ayala who fought Alvarado. I thought Alvarado won that fight, but he was going to get called my next mandatory for the IBF um, after the BAM fight. So maybe me and him go for the back for my belt. No, it's vacant. Um, anything really. I just want to fight a world level. I know I'm a world level fighter. I've proven that. I think even, you know, in the seven rounds after with, with the eye injury, I've still proven that I can actually genuinely fight as well at, at, at this level rather than just teeter around the edge of the ring and, and move. Um, Okay, yeah, I didn't win, but it made for a much more exciting prospect of a fight and it probably did the division a whole heap of good, to be honest, because 
like I said, I, I've been watching boxing and interacting with fight fans my whole life pretty much since I was nine years old. And I've never in my lifetime seen a flyweight fight garner as much attention, uh, plaudits, even the way the fight went down. Um, yeah, I won my few rounds. I think I won three rounds. Um, the fight got stopped, but every round was competitive. Every round was back and forth. And it probably had a lot of people scratching their heads thinking, well, these five foot three guys can fight. And, and it looks more poetic probably throughout the whole fight than heavyweights, I guess. I know you're obviously incredibly confident in your own ability, but to be able to go toe to toe with Bam like that for seven rounds with basically one eye, does that give you even more confidence that you can achieve what you want to go on to? Yeah, 100%. Like, if I didn't have damage to my eye and he put me down in that ninth round, I'm coming out for the tenth. But after I've argued, for the first time ever, Grant's ever had to mention to me about stopping a fight, wanting to stop the fight there and then, and me telling him no, and then that happening, I just, you know, let him do what he was going to do anyway, probably. I don't think he would have chucked me back out there um, at that stage. Because mathematically, I had to put him down and I knew that we scored the fight exactly how two of the judges scored it, not the American one. He weren't giving me a fucking round, was he? Um, yeah, I, I, for me, I think if my eye didn't go and I fought him like that, we could still have a very good fight, you know what I mean? And I probably wouldn't have been caught with the shots that was winning the rounds and I probably wouldn't have made mistakes that was losing me the rounds. So, um, I love fighting, I'm addicted to fighting. It doesn't have to go, oh yay, Sonny Edwards is the champion, for me to still enjoy it. Like, I actually love the feeling. I am numb to a lot of things in my life. Like, apart from my kids, there's not much that can really make me feel anything. Easy fighting doesn't make me feel anything because I just get in the flow straight away and I can usually box people's heads off. But actually going through like the, the, the extremist sport and it finally feeling extreme, like it makes me feel something. It has already, it's crazy. Like all I'm thinking about is getting back in the ring now. Like I'm addicted to fighting and I'll be here forever, forever in a day until like people are sitting me down going, Sonny, you need to stop boxing. Do you know what I mean? That's going to probably be the hardest conversation I ever have. I'm not going nowhere. I'm here. I'm going to be here for another 10 years competing and after that probably another 30, 40, 50 years managing, training, commentating, promoting, punditry, nutrition, strength and condition, everything. I, I, I don't know nothing else. There's not another industry or corner of the world that I'd rather exist in. I love boxing. Um, win, lose or draw, my identity isn't made by a belt or an undefeated record. I love what I do, like generally, I feel so grateful that my whole adult life, all I've had to do is do the same thing I've been doing since nine years old, go to the gym. If anything, it's easier now, because I used to have to do like a seven, eight hour school day before, and exams and that, I ain't got to do that now. Just go to the gym, come home, and I'm a man of leisure. Let's, before I let you go, let's talk about why, why we are here in Riyadh. You're here to watch Indonesia against Dimitri Bivol. You've just fought a pound for pound fighter, Arthur's against yeah, just quickly on that part, what a lot of people don't realise as well is me and Lyndon, we made our debut on the same day in different places. I was in Spain, he was in Manchester on small hall shows. And if you put all of our money that we earned together in the, the, the table, it probably come up to about £1,500. Two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, just for my fight, we were sat on the phone and we're both about to step into the biggest rings in our division for unification world title fights. 
for a lot, lot more money than fifteen hundred pound um, put together. Like we are really having the best life through boxing, and we are generally fighting men. Me and Lyndon, we do not know how to turn down a fight. We lose a bit of ourselves. You know, like when I don't know, people must be getting offered. Oh, will you fight him? Uh, uh. I don't know how they do it. I don't know. Like they're a braver man than me to be so openly cowardice. I do not know how to turn down a fight. You can ask anyone that's ever worked with me, okay, I've been with Frank Warren before, um, I've worked with them before, and I worked with Matchroom. Um, not one fight do I turn down. I don't know how to turn down a fight, and I'll never know how to turn a fight down, and Lyndon's the same. You can't offer us these chances of greatness well, all the sacrifices and the years we've spent you can't offer us these fights and expect us to turn them down like you're ringing the wrong people so i'm massively proud of him i'm massively proud for the career he's achieved when i left gb and he left gb it was around the same time we had our debut on the same day i got laughed at point blank by the other fighters by the coaches because a couple of my actual true friends that was in there told me who was doing it what people were saying yeah and i know no one ever thought I was going to do anything, let alone become a world champion, probably be one of the highest earners, flyweights in the history of boxing. Like, they never ever thought any of that would happen. And Lyndon, he was like a sparring partner. He only got sent to tournaments when, you know, the number one, number two, didn't want to go. Okay, we'll send Lyndon now. He was a sparring partner. So when he turned, it was exactly the same thing. No one expected either of us to do anything. And now if you actually look at all our like sort of, you know, peers of them groups, there was 30, 40 fighters over the two squads. There's very few people that have even half achieved what me and Lyndon have. And the ones that have, the, the, the good-hearted ones, my friends pretty much, all of them, the ones that achieved all seem to be my friends. The Joe Cordinas, the Lawrence O'Coleys, you know what I mean? My actual friends, the people that for me had the clean hearts. Clean hearts always win in the end and there's a lot of reasons as to why. But all the snidey little sly ones, they got beat at British level on the way up and now retired. You know what I mean? And just write a bit of tweets. Do you, know, do you understand? Like, clean hearts always win in the end, and I'm happy for Lyndon, I'm happy for me, happy for Cordino, Lawrence O'Coley, and all the other ones that really achieved because they deserve it. And coming over here to, you know, pass the spit bucket in for, for Lyndon a week after, you know, losing my world title and losing unification, of course I'm here. That's my best friend. If, I, if he weren't fighting now and he was fighting a week before me, he would have been there for my fight because he's, he's come and gone wherever I've gone whatever I've fought and I've always done the same thing. Like, you know who shows up and you show up for the people that do. And yeah, Lyndon's one of my best friends in the world, one of the most honest, loyal, uh, reliable people I've ever had in my life. So yeah, regardless of what happened, regardless that people are telling me, don't go Saudi, go to a, an eye specialist and go and, nah, I can wait, I'm going. Bivo, obviously he beat Canelo, he beat Zerdo Ramirez, his stock was at an all time high, but he hasn't fought in over a year now. Do you think that plays into Lyndon's hands inside? Of course, and I also think like it's, it's easy for them to just think this is you know just an, an easy fight from compared to the rings he's been in on one. You know what I mean? And Lyndon's coming here knowing he's going to be in a hard ring and knowing this will change his whole life. It'll change his life anyway. Let me be let me be real. But him winning would really really change his life. And there's always this percent shift I always talk about. When a fighter is sort of looking over and looking down at someone, 
compared to the fighter looking up. The fighter that's looking down probably loses the eye of the tiger a little bit. 10-15% performance drop. They don't think they need to be as sharp. They might not prepare just as good because they were so confident with their ability. When you've got the other person coming in against the fire, against the, the lion, um, they come in with that full drive and then a little bit more because they know they need a little bit more. And then sometimes it gets dragged out of them and any success they get, now they're getting a lot more confidence out of because maybe they weren't even expecting it to the range they could have got it. Then there's a 15% shift, both sides, 15 down, 15 up. And that can usually be enough for the underdog to beat the favorite, especially with mindsets. And it's very hard. It's like writing a novel, the Marxist literacy theory. It's very hard to disconnect the writer from whatever they're writing about, whether they're trying to be someone else when they're writing, like you're still putting you into your pen onto the paper just like in a boxing ring. It's hard to disconnect your brain. If you're thinking, I'm gonna beat him, and there's no chance he's ever gonna beat me, it's hard to take that out. You can't convince yourself anything else because you genuinely, innately believe that. And that mentality, that complacency, is often very dangerous. Now, I know Bivol is very professional, and I know he's very disciplined, and he's very determined. And like he said yesterday, people are asking him for a knockout. He goes, I don't look for a knockout. I go in and do what I need to do and I box and win. And he might be one that can, can really reduce those drop-offs because of how he does approach a fight, even when he's completely sort of terrorising Canelo. He still didn't try and really set about him. He still just boxed the life out of him. Um, and for that, I rate Bivol as one of the highest pound for pound. But Lyndon's a fighter. Lyndon's been fighting his whole life. Whilst I was in a boxing gym and you know, all these other great fighters that are here, probably most of them was in boxing rings as a young age with gloves on. Lyndon didn't find boxing until he was 17. Lyndon was being a little fucking dickhead. Fighting, scrapping, coming from a rough estate in Manchester and only having, you know, bad role models as to look up to or, or, or any insight of what else life can look like. So he's been fighting his whole life. So... I will always believe that he can do it no matter what ring he goes into because one, he can hit very, very hard and he's shown that he can be tired, he can be hurt and then boom, he takes someone's head off or snaps them in half for a body shot. Like, he can do that against real tough people, real, real tough people and he can box as well and he can jab the life of someone. Yes, Bivol is arguably the best fighter in the division but the only way you become the best is by fighting the best so that's what we're here to do. Yes, we know he's up against it but... I was up against it last week. We don't fear. We don't fear the, the the chips being against us. We don't. We don't shy away from a challenge that the general consensus is that it might not even be a challenge, or 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 it's not a fight that he's going to be able to win. We don't fear any of those things. We're real fighting men. We love to fight, and if anything, we love being the underdog. We love the world being against us, genuinely. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, passing the spit bucket in, offering some advice. Um, but yeah, just to be there as part of uh, the team for such a massive event, like you can't say no to moments like this. If, if Lyndon said no, like all those other fighters right now, yeah, the difference is they're probably quite happy sat there going, oh yeah, he's, Lyndon's going to get beat. I'm so glad I didn't take that fight. Lyndon would be depressed. He would be gutted. He probably wouldn't be answering the phone right now if he decided to stay at home rather than be here. And I would be the same. And that's why people like me, people like Lyndon, people like fucking Joe Cordina and Lawrence Coley, that's why we're different. 
to the people that come through. Oh, I don't want to fight him, actually. He's actually, you know, a southpaw. I don't really like the southpaws. Oh, he's a bit tall. Oh, he knocked out his last opponent. The best fighters, yeah, some of the best fighters. That's their real mentality behind the camera. You know, when it's, oh, I've been offered all the... No, I've not been offered... No, like, yes, the promoters will know the exact who's who about boxing and the real fighters will know the who's who about boxing. And uh, the weak-hearted, the faint-hearted, the ones that, you know, were scared before they started, they will never make it to the lengths or to the distances that someone like me, someone like Lyndon, bringing their names back, someone like Joe Cordina, Lawrence Acoli, the people that genuinely live for fighting and will get in any ring against anyone, anytime, anywhere because they believe in themselves, yes, but also a fight is just a fight. All it does is prove that night what happened in that ring that one time. You can spar the same person a hundred times and it'd be slightly different every single time. Times you give it to them, times they give it to you, times it's really competitive, sometimes it's not competitive at all. So that's what happens when fighting and only fighters understand that. But then there's some people that are shy and they're scared and they're cowardice and there's others that will walk through the fire to either feel how hot it burns or to get to the other side. We'll also get to see Anthony Joshua as the main event here. He reached out to you in camp, which must have meant quite a lot to you as someone that obviously a good friend of yours. What are you expecting to see from him against Otto Wallen? <laughs> I'm expecting to see, um, I li I've, I've actually liked his demeanour this week. I've liked the sort of chip on the shoulder. I've liked the, because I'm hoping, and I've been hoping for maybe a few fights now, that AJ stops thinking about 36 minute fights and goes make it hell in there for them. Because if he comes and puts, okay, yeah, there's been calculated with how you come in. But if he puts pressure onto most of these other fighters, they're probably cracking because that's how serious his pressure is. But I think what sometimes he's been trying to balance is, I don't want to get to the 12th round and not be able to stand up. I don't want to like be knackered, but he's got a very inefficient body for 36 minute fight. He's explosive, you can see it. His body, his stature, his, his muscle definition. He's a very explosive man. I would like to see him just have more confidence in his savage and stop thinking about the 12 rounds. Because genuinely, I think there's probably not one person in this earth at heavyweight that if he genuinely goes full throttle and lands the shots that he needs to, will still be there because he's that much of an animal. But when he's boxing with the constant jab, step, move, slip, right hand, jab, like, there's too much going on, I think, over 36 minutes where... He could just jump in and savage people. Wylin's going to be difficult. Wylin's going to be tricky. He's a southpaw. But what I like about him is he's very eyesight. He's very eye level with AJ. And AJ, for me, every time he's in a ring with someone his same size or there or thereabouts, a couple inches smaller, a couple inches taller, he's always been the man. Always. The only time he's ever struggled from the amateurs, from being a novice, to all the way through to even the couple fights that he had a bit harder, I mean, we're talking even Dillian White and we're talking uh, Takams, um, then Ruiz, then Uzik. They all are under six foot three, six foot three or under, six foot four, six foot three or under. They're all on the smaller side of a heavyweight. Um, and that's always been his sort of kryptonite Achilles heel. You chuck him in against the six foot seven, six foot eights, so I think he beats them all. That's why I would still, even to this day, love to fight with Fury because if you ask pretty much anyone apart from the time before, Maybe the Klitschko fight, but definitely before the Wilder fight. Um, everyone would have always backed AJ, really, most people. And Tyson's always been a good boxer and a good mover. 
but I feel like his career has been blown up by beating the same man twice and then beating White and Chisora, kind of more comfortable rings, at, especially at the time. Um, but it's still a fight that I think Britain needs to see. And right now it looks like AJ will have to go through uh, uh, Wilin, Wilder, and then the Uzik Fury that whoever's on the winner of that side and the winner of that side should then come together. Um, but they're all fights I'd like to see. And why I would be back in AJ in a lot of ways in a lot of those fights. Because like I've said, his whole life, I've seen him from when he was a novice fighting in, in, the, in the national championships. He used to share a room with my brother on GB and when they used to go to uh, tournaments around the world. Um, but every ring he's ever gotten, if they're eyesight, if they're the same height as him, he's the man. It's only ever the 5'10", 5'11", 6'1s, ones where it looks like they shouldn't really be in the ring with him that he's ever struggled with. And, yeah, I think we'll continue to see that pattern on Saturday night. And I think we'll continue to see that pattern maybe even against Wilder because Wilder is just lighter but still tall, still on the same sort of eyesight and isn't the sort of small, compact, like, throw-over. Um, you know, when AJ throws down, there's the space there and I think that's usually where he gets got. Um, by the smaller fighters where when he's fighting someone up here, they're throwing back of him and his arms and his shoulders, he's protecting his chin and keeping him in the fight. And I think it's just an easier fight for him. So, yeah, I think AJ's still got a lot left. But at the same time, what very few people on this earth could ever comprehend is the amount of exposure, the amount of fame, the amount of profile, publicity, marketability, sponsors, campaigns, like... The actual pressure on that man's shoulders before getting into a boxing ring. He's not a footballer where he's kicking a ball around, the team can lose and people still think you're great, etc. You're getting very vulnerable, you're stripping your powers, your ego, your pride, and you're getting in the ring and anything happens after and decides what people think of you after. And just like we see people like Ronaldo or, or, or even like, like Michael Jackson, their mental was visibly altered through their fame. Like... It's hard for AJ, in my opinion. I don't know, I've not really had this conversation with him, but being that level of famous, that not point not 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 one percent of the people on this earth could ever experience, it does affect your mental a bit and how you see the world, how you interact with people and for boxing you need a sound mind to be the best because when you're vulnerable, when you've been hit with a shot, when it's getting hard, it's the conversation you have with yourself in your head that controls what happens. Um but I would say that out of most of the coaches that I know have seen a good lens for, I think Ben Davison is one of the best options for mindset more than anything. He's good at drilling in and getting people to think a certain way. This I know because I've, I'm friends with a lot of the fighters that he trains and I speak to them and the narratives and how their mindset goes after working with him. It's, it's a good one. And I think that that is the main thing that AJ really need implementing on. He didn't just need a good trainer that really knew boxing that didn't care about him. He needs someone that is going to be with him, going to be there for him and be buzzing to work with him as well. And I think you're probably only going to really get that from a British trainer because every time he's going to America, they're just seeing him as a cash check, you know? Sonny, I won't keep you for any longer, but I'll give you the opportunity to sign off down the lens to your supporters, even the haters still, about, about you, your life and, and what's to come next year. Yeah, well, just to the supporters and the haters. Um, I think the haters are usually just confused fans because they actually interact, watch, digest more content than, than the supporters do. Um, yeah, stay tuned. There's going to be a long, exciting road to come. That's just 
another step in the direction of the story of Sonny Edwards. Um, yeah, I'm being boxing until my last breath, probably. So if you don't like me, you're going to really have to get used to seeing, hearing. Um, I've already got some DAZN commentaries lined up for next year. So, you know I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a, a long time that I'm going to be here. But for the ones that enjoyed the fight, I'm glad you did. Um, to Bam Rodriguez, well done again. Um, if I get offered the fight, I'm coming back for the fight. Um, yeah, not much else. I could sit and speak all day, but um, they keep pointing at the camera. But it's hard for me to focus on one thing. My eyes go all over the place. But yeah, uh, keep enjoying it. Keep watching. Keep stay tuned in. And I'll hopefully keep bringing the excitement and uh, the big nights back to the flyweight division. Maybe the light flyweight, super flyweight. Any weight. I don't care. I get in the ring. I get asked to get in the ring and I do. Like I said, I don't have it in me to turn down fights. I love that I'm here right now in Riyadh, um, regardless of what happened last week. So, yeah, appreciate all the support. Appreciate Matchroom um, for the time and uh, the support, even after my loss. A real big, uh, a real big sort of importance on what's next. And yeah, we want to keep pushing you and want to keep working with you. And, and so, yeah, I know I'm in a good place and I'm a good fighter. So look forward to what happens in 2024 and onwards.